Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. This episode deals with topics like trusting God with our livelihood, His timing, and how dangerous assumptions can be. We'll be reading from the end of Genesis 30 and all of Genesis 31, and we'll see what Jacob's wages are after he's worked the 14 years for his wives and how long he does that before he decides to go back home. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. Last episode was entertaining to say the least, so if you happen to miss that, you're going to want to go back. We talked about how Jacob ended up with two wives and a couple of concubines, and then how these two sisters had a competition to see who could have the most children for him. So, like I said, pretty entertaining. But on a serious note, we did also discuss how God can be everything to us that maybe the people on this earth are not to us at times. And so really do go back and listen to that episode if you missed it, because it's nice to be reminded of God's love and sufficiency for us. Okay, so let's go ahead and start reading in Genesis 30, beginning in verse 25. It says, And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, so that I can go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go. For you know my service that I have done towards you. And Laban said, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name your wages, and I will give them to you. So Jacob said to him, You know how I served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own household? So he said, What should I give to you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything, if you will just do this one thing for me. I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your livestock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in the times to come when the subject of my wages comes up before you. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is not with me. And Laban said, Oh, that it would be according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all of the brown ones from the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, and exposed the white which was in each rod. 
And the rods that he peeled, he set before the flock in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streak and all the brown in the flocks of Laban. But he put his own flock by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, when the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they may conceive among the rod. But when the flocks were feeble, he didn't put them in, so that the feebler ones were Laban's and the stronger ones were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male, servant, and camels and donkeys. So apparently after Joseph was born, Jacob had served his 14 years of labor for his wives and he's ready to go back home. And you know, he only was gone because his mother wanted Esau's anger to subside. And also his father thought he was going to get a wife and he's done that. And so he's always intended to go back home and he decides that this is the time that he wants to do it. But when he goes to Laban, it's interesting because Laban notices that ever since Jacob's been with him, he's been blessed because of Jacob. And so he doesn't want Jacob to leave. And this is fulfillment of the Abrahamic blessing that said that those that blessed him would be blessed. And since Laban had given him wives and a job and taken him in, then God had also blessed Laban because of Jacob. So he asked Jacob to stay and told him he'd pay him whatever he wanted. And Jacob said, I don't want any pay. What I want is just to have my own set of livestock. And so if you'll give me the speckled and spotted animals, then I'll take those as my wages and you can have the rest of them. And this will be proof that I'm not stealing any of your animals because it's obviously visible which animals I have if I'm keeping those that are speckled and spotted. And so he says, yes, that sounds like a great idea. Now, there's dispute as to what is going on in this verse 35 when he says that Laban removed the male goats that were speckled and spotted and the female goats that were speckled and spotted and everyone that had some white in it and all the brown ones of the lambs and then he gave them into the hands of his sons. Some people believe that that was Laban's first deception towards him because he had asked for the speckled and spotted ones and instead he removed them and gave them to his sons and gave Jacob his to take care of. And then others believe that Jacob was really just asking that all of the speckled and spotted ones from there on out would be his. But no matter what it is, Jacob takes the ones that he gives him and he also takes care of Laban's. Whichever ones that he gives to his sons, he puts a good amount of space between them. Three days journey would be like 60 miles. So they reached whatever their agreement was and Jacob's prosperity was not from Laban anyway. He was depending on God for that. The speckled and spotted ones would probably be very few anyway. And so Laban quickly agreed to this idea. And then in a very odd way, Jacob was able to breed the animals first to reproduce several speckled and spotted and brown ones for him. And then he selectively bred the stronger ones to be his and the weaker ones to be Laban's. Now, some people say that this bark, whenever he peeled it, it gave off some sort of stimulant in the water 
water and it made the animals mate and reproduce. And so that's how he got so many. And then he just did selective breeding in order to get the strongest ones to be his. And then other people just believe that by doing this visual thing, by actually having an action, he was showing God that he was trusting him for the prosperity of his animals. And no doubt, even if it did give off some sort of stimulant or whatever, there was a strategy behind it. He was demonstrating that he trusted God to be the one to prosper him. And no doubt he was smart about how he did things because he had been doing this a long time and Laban had trusted him with his animals. So just for a moment, I want you to think about whether you trust God with your livelihood. You know, do you trust him to provide for you and make your work successful? Do we really believe that God is in charge of blessing the work of our hand and making it beneficial? And then how do we demonstrate that to him? How do we show him that we trust him to provide for us to make our work fruitful? Let's look at a couple of verses that tell us a little bit about how to demonstrate that to him. So the first one is Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. And it says, A little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. So the first thing that we have to do is we actually have to work. We can't expect God to bless our work if we don't do it. So we can't just say, Oh God, I trust you to provide, la-di-da, and do nothing. That's not what he tells us to do. The next one is Proverbs eleven twenty four to 28. It says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come on him who seeks evil. He who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So the first part of this tells us that if we're generous and we're not greedy with what we have, then we will reap more. And then the next part says that if we do it in the right way, if we seek good, then we'll find favor. But if we seek evil, then we won't. And then the last part says that if we trust in our riches, if we trust in the money and not in God's righteousness, if we don't trust in doing things that are right, but we trust in the money, then we won't have very much of it. Okay, let's look at Proverbs thirteen eleven. Proverbs talks about this a lot, obviously. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. So if you get money in a dishonest way, don't expect it to last very long. Now, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 31. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. So this tells us that we're not supposed to be seeking riches. I said a while ago that we'll be successful, but that doesn't necessarily mean monetarily. It just means that God will bless us. We'll definitely have the things that we need. He tells us right here, don't seek after, don't worry about the things that you need because I know what you need and I can give it to you. What you really need to do is you need to seek me and my kingdom and my righteousness. 
And then I'll give you everything else that you need. What you need to worry about is those things. And so it kind of goes back with the verse before where it tells us, don't seek after riches, but seek after righteousness. God will provide for us the things that we need. We need to not worry about those things and worry about the things of him. Now, the last verse, Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So if we're faithful with the small amount that God has given us, then he will probably entrust us with more. But if we are not faithful with a small amount, then what is the purpose in him giving us more? And then if we're unfair with that amount, we are greedy with it, like it talked about before, or we don't give to people in need or use it for God's glory, things like that, then he has no purpose in giving us more. So those are some ways that we can demonstrate to God that we trust in him and not in ourselves and not in our money. Okay, so let's go ahead and continue reading in Genesis 31. It says, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all of this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it wasn't favorable towards him as it had been before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flocks, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable towards me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I've served your father, yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, that the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks were speckled. And if he said that the streak should be your wages, then all the flocks bore streak. But God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which left upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream and said, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flock are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said, Is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to do, you do. So this time, God himself comes to Jacob and says, it's time to go home. So when Jacob wanted to go home, Laban begged him to stay and Jacob stayed because it wasn't in God's timing. But now God says that it's time for him to go home. If Jacob would have left whenever he wanted to, then he would have left with nothing. He would have had no animals. He would have had no money. And instead, he would have just had a large family to provide for with nothing to begin with. So I'm sure that's one reason that God had him stay And then also, only God knows Esau's heart, and he only knows whenever Esau is going to be ready to receive his brother back. And so now that Jacob has worked six years for Laban, he's acquired enough to take care of his family, and his relationship with Laban is deteriorating. And so God says, it's time to go back. 
Now, it says that every time that the animals began to produce for Jacob, then Laban would just change his agreement. And, you know, maybe if Laban would have not continued to be deceitful and look after his own interests, then God would have allowed him to continue to prosper. But it says that since he didn't do that, that God didn't allow Jacob to be harmed, but instead he took from Laban to give to Jacob because Laban was the one that was being deceitful and he was making sure that Jacob would was being taken care of and he was being blessed. And then notice whenever God came to Jacob, he said, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made the vow to me. And so I want us to go back and read that passage where God came to Jacob at Bethel and Jacob made a vow to him. So that is Genesis 28, 13 through 15. This is right after Jacob has run away from his home before he's ever even met Laban and Rachel and Leah. And God is passing the Abrahamic blessing from his father Isaac to now him. And he says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land that you lay on, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as many as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the family of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done to you what I've spoken." So God had already told him that he would be with him and that he would bless him and that he would give him a large family and that he would bring him back to this place. And so God is reminding him, hey, remember when I told you all that? Well, this is the time. Now I'm bringing you back. Now I want you to go back because now you have this large family. I have been with you. I have blessed you. And now it's time for you to go back. And so when he told his wives, they fully agreed. They said, yeah, we don't have anything anyway. And everything that God's given to you really belongs to us and our kids anyway. So yeah, fine. Let's go ahead and go. And so let's go ahead and read the end of this chapter. We're going to read all the way to the end. So just bear with me. Beginning in verse 17. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained, his acquired livestock, which he had gained in Padan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household gods that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to run. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed over the river and headed towards the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled, and he took his brothers with him and pursued them for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said, Be careful that you don't speak to Jacob, neither good or bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brothers pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What is this that you've done that you've stolen away and unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken away with the sword? Why did you run away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with the timbrel and harp. And you didn't allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in doing this thing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night and said, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good or bad. 
And so now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my God? And then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of your brothers, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob didn't know that Rachel had stolen them. And so Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he didn't find them. And then when he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent, and Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but he didn't find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I can't rise before you, because I am in the manner of women. And so he searched, but he didn't find the household idols. And so Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Although you've searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brothers and your brothers, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I've been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I didn't bring to you, but I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I've been in your house twenty years, and I've served you fourteen for your two daughters, and six for your flock, and you've changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and he rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine, but what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have bore? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brothers, Gather the stones. And they took the stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. And Laban called the place Heap of Witness. But Jacob called it Galid, which means also Heap of Witness. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, it is a name called Galid, also Mizpah, because may the Lord watch over you and me when we are absent from one another. So Mizpah means watch. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives, besides my daughters, although no man is with us, God is a witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is this heap and here is this pillar that I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brothers to eat the bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose, kissed his sons and daughters, and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned to his place. Okay, so that was a lot to read. But let's begin by talking about how Jacob left without talking to Laban about it at all. It wasn't wrong for him to leave, but it was kind of a cowardly way to handle it, right? Because he's just assuming that Laban would oppose him and he would try to keep his daughters there. 
That's what he told him. But because of this assumption, then Laban didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye to his daughters or his grandchildren, and he felt tricked. And so this is a lesson to us because it is tempting sometimes to hide our intentions when we think that somebody might not like something that we're about to do. But it doesn't feel good to be blindsided, you know. We should at least give them the opportunity to respond with understanding and care because they might, you know. Oftentimes our assumptions are wrong. And if they don't, then that's on them. We did the right thing. And if they choose to do the wrong thing, then that's their problem. And here's the thing. It looks as though we're doing something wrong whenever we hide it. A person that isn't doing anything wrong doesn't have anything to hide. So we should always be upfront and honest with people. And then we just need to let God deal with their reaction. That's his job. Once we've done what we're supposed to do, then the rest is up to him. So let's read passage in John three nineteen through 21. It says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and doesn't come to the light, lest the deeds should be exposed. But he who does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So this is what I was talking about. If we don't have anything to hide, then we come up front and we do it outright so that people can see that we're doing it right. Otherwise, it looks as though we have something to hide because people that do the wrong things, they like to do them in the dark so that they can't be seen. They like their deeds to be hidden. And so we don't want to be giving any implication that we have anything to hide, making people think that we're doing something wrong. So even though it is tempting to hide our intentions when we think that someone may May not like what we have to say. We just have to come on out with it, explain ourselves, and let God deal with the rest. Okay, and so after Laban finally caught up with Jacob, then he explained how he was upset and all of that, and Jacob explained himself. And then he told him that he had a right to harm him, but he wasn't going to because Jacob's God came to him and told him not to. And so that brings up a question, does Laban not worship the same God as Jacob does? Or is he just acknowledging that, hey, your God that I know is your God, who's also my God, came to me last night. And since he is also my God, I respect him and I'm going to listen to him. Whenever Eleazar came to Laban's household to get Rebekah, Laban acknowledged God. He said, if this is from God, then how can I speak against it? So it doesn't really matter what we think about my sister going to marry Isaac, because if it's God's will, then we have to obey it. So it seems that he did believe in Jacob's God, but then it talks about these gods that Rachel took. So then it's like, okay, does that mean that he also worshiped other gods? And so from everything that I've read, it's possible that these gods were used for worship and he did believe in our God and other gods. But more than likely, because of what we've known before about what he believes in God, more than likely what it is, is that these are just figurines that represent their family, resemble some sort of inheritance that Rachel is deciding that belongs to her and she isn't going to get. Maybe they're worth some money. And so she's getting these very valuable things from her father's home, kind of as her payment, because she feels cheated. 
Now, notice what Jacob says to Laban about this. He says, hey, nobody took your gods. If you find somebody with your gods, then by all means, put them to death because nobody's taken them. So this assumption could be much, much worse for him than the first assumption, right? Because the first assumption mostly just hurt Laban. Laban didn't get to say goodbye to his family because Jacob assumed that Laban would not want him to go. But this assumption would definitely hurt Jacob if Laban found out because Laban would have a right to kill Rachel, his favorite wife. And so he definitely should have asked some questions before he just jumped to this conclusion. And also, it's a good lesson to us that we should not promise something that we aren't certain we can follow through with. You know, don't give an extreme, you know, punishment or consequence or whatever that we aren't for sure that we can follow through with. But luckily, Rachel played on her father's sensitivities and played the woman card and her dad did not find what she had taken from him. And then Jacob uses this opportunity to kind of tell Laban, hey, you've cheated me. You know, I have taken care of all your animals. I was out there in the heat. I was out there in the cold. I took all of your losses. I made sure that you prospered. All of these things. And you've changed my wages. You cheated me out of Rachel, the first marriage and all of that. And I haven't done that to you. And so basically God took care of me in spite of the fact that you didn't. And that's why I came to you last night and told you not to harm me. Because, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but you shouldn't have done all those other things. So whatever. That was basically the gist of it. And so let's read what it says in Romans eight thirty one about how God takes care of his people. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? So God was for Jacob and Laban couldn't be against him because Laban wasn't against Jacob. Laban was going up against God and that's no match, right? So Jacob recognized that God was the one that had taken care of him, that Laban hadn't given him anything, that God was the one that had given him everything. So they made their peace and decided to make a covenant between each other. And they called this place the heap of witness or the place that God is watching, basically, is what he's saying. And so they made this promise that, hey, they wouldn't cross over to either side of this pillar that they had created to harm each other. And also, Laban Laban wanted to just make sure that Jacob remembered that even though Laban wasn't around to watch over his daughters and his grandchildren, that God was. And so he said, you know, this is a reminder to you that even though I may not witness it, God is always a witness. And so that's also something that we always have to remember because people aren't always going to see what we do. So we may not serve the consequences of that person whenever they don't know what we're doing. But God always, always sees what we do. And that's the reason that we always need to be working to please him. We always need to be mindful of what he would want and not just consequences from another person, things like that. We talked about that in another episode about punishment and consequences, but we just need to remember that God always sees us. He's always watching. Okay, so that's all we're going to do today. Next week, we're going to talk about how Jacob prepares to meet up with Esau. Now that he's gotten over the hurdle of leaving Laban, now he has to face his brother. And he hasn't seen him in 20 years and he has no idea if he's going to accept him or kill him like he vowed to do before. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss that episode. Also, feel free to leave comments wherever you're listening. Let me know if you 
like what you're hearing or you just have more to contribute to it, I'd love to have discussion with you. Also, if you have any questions or things that you disagree with, I also welcome those things. So if you do like it, give me a five-star review. That definitely helps me out. Thanks and have a good day. Thank you.